0: Welcome to the Kind Parenting Company Podcast. I'm Jackie Ward. And I'm Kylie Camps. Join us as we explore topics and share evidence-based information, all while honouring our commitment to kind parenting practices. This is a safe space for conversation and reflections on parenting and motherhood, designed to best support you in raising your little loves and to be the parent you want to be. We are so excited that you're here. Let's jump into today's episode. Hello and welcome to the podcast. This week I'm going to be sharing some thoughts and tips for families who are welcoming a new baby sibling into their home. It's been about two years, just over two years since we last did this in my family. Um, But even thinking back, you know, five, six years ago when I had my second son and my eldest was just under two, Even now, I can still so clearly remember the concerns and questions and thoughts that I had moving into that time of my life. So if you're in a similar boat, uh, or even if you are just planning to grow your family down the track at some point, and you're wondering how that might play out for you, this episode is going to be really helpful. I'm going to offer a stack of really practical um, ideas and things to be thinking about that are ultimately going to ease this transition for you, for your little one or older children um, and make it a, a really enjoyable time, I suppose, for everyone. So in reflecting back on my experience, you know, when I was making some notes about what I wanted to talk about, um, I'm not sure if this resonates with anyone, but I remember one of the first thoughts that I had early on during my pregnancy was around making space in my heart for another baby. You know, it had been just my little guy and I my husband too but i was the primary caregiver so a lot of the days it was just me and my little one um it was just us for so long and i remember thinking wondering how i could possibly have capacity to love another one in the same way I, i do remember feeling like that was a bit of a taboo or a strange thought to have um but in the season that I was in where so much of my focus and my energy and my thoughts and even just my time on a super practical day-to-day level, that was all funneled into my one-year-old at that time. I remember thinking like, mm, this is gonna be interesting. Am I going to be able to split that focus and that love? Another thought I remember having too is being concerned for my, for my first child and you know how it would impact him having a sibling brought into the family dynamic. He was the first grandchild on my side of the family and the second on the other. So there was a lot of focus and attention and time from from both families coming straight, shining straight on him. Um, Naturally, he too was the centre of mine and my husband's world and so I remember thinking and wondering how he would cope with sharing that pedestal that he was on uh, with another. And then, of course, as things got closer and closer to my due date, um, I remember other thoughts creeping in that were far less philosophical and, you know, I was genuinely just concerned with how on earth I was going to manage two kids under two. I remember one day looking at my husband and saying to him, you know, what if I can't actually handle the two of them at once and in his classic style he's one of those super relaxed um humans he said oh well it's a bit late to worry about that now so I guess we'll just have to figure it out as we go along I recall like some of the practical things where I was thinking you know what am I going to do to keep my older child entertained during all the times that I'm feeding or settling the baby and Would I be able to split myself so that I could be enough for both of them while keeping myself sane and well during this time too? So I think that these thoughts are all fairly typical, fairly natural thoughts for um, second, third, fourth time mums to have. You know, I hear them come up with the mums that I speak to and with my girlfriends too. So I'm going to cover off these today, uh, plus a few others as well. And as I mentioned, I'll be offering some really practical suggestions and ideas for things that you can be doing to really ease this transition with the goal of making it the happiest time for everyone in your family. I think the best way, you know, thinking about this, I think the best way to split this chat up is into three sections, um, covering first being during your pregnancy and then meeting the baby for the first time. And finally, those first few weeks or months at home as you all adjust and settle into a new normal. Uh, so that's how I'm going to kind of cover it today. All right, so let's jump into it. During the pregnancy, the first time, I think one of the most valuable things you can do uh, to help set up your older child or children is just to really involve them as much as possible in your pregnancy and in the experience of expecting a new baby as much as you can. Now, obviously, that's going to look different depending on your child's age and also their developmental stage where they're at as to what's appropriate. But I really think that no matter how old they are, how how old or young, there are ways to set it up so that they really feel involved and included, which is the goal here. I know some parents sort of express concern or have steered away from talking too much about the baby because they're conscious of not making the older child feel like, you know, all of the focus is on the baby. But I actually think if there's a good balance of focus on on Bub and on the child who's already here, I think that's really what we're aiming for here. So for very young babies and toddlers, that might simply be talking to them about their baby, um, you know, patting your tummy, having them talk to the baby inside your belly or sing it songs together. It can also be really good um, to point out babies when you're reading picture books together or if you're watching a show on TV together to point out babies and say, oh, look, that's like our baby that's in mum's tummy. Naturally, at this age, children are very concrete thinkers. So it's not likely that they're going to link the baby in the picture book to the one growing in your belly. That's quite abstract for them to process Uh, but really the goal here is just to increase their exposure to babies just to get them thinking about other babies um, outside of themselves and you know potentially there might be that easier linking down the track as well and then for toddlers who are pre-verbal or actually even those who um, you know are beginning to use words and you know meaningfully link words together their primary language really is still play so I would definitely encourage you to integrate baby play into your games. This might look like getting them their own baby if they don't already have one, um, their own little yeah, toy baby to look after, to cuddle, to play with, to bath, all those things, those rituals that we know, rituals of baby care that are going to very soon become part of your life again. If we can be introducing our older child to those in play It's going to set them up and make a whole lot more sense to them when the baby arrives. It's also a really good chance when you're um, engaging in this kind of play with them to model gentle care um, and gentle touching or gentle hands, which is something that I know so many people you know, grapple with when the baby does arrive, you know, over-enthusiastic big brothers and sisters don't always understand the need to be gentle and not to sit on the baby or, you know, cover their face. So these are all really, um, you know, pragmatic day-to-day things that we can be modeling in a play-based, no pressure situation to set our older kids up for when baby does arrive. And then speaking of older kids, if you have, if the gap's a bit bigger between your baby and your other child or children and your um, children are a bit older, I think a really nice thing to do can be to, you know, to involve your older children in the pregnancy and, you know, have them be engaged with the baby uh, preterm is to get them to come along to baby appointments or to scans with you so that they can come along and see that. They may also be interested in helping you set up the baby's room or, you know, purchase things for the baby. You can really gauge their own level of interest, of course, um, because every child's going to be different um, and, you know, gauge that and their level of involvement. But ultimately the key thing here is just to set up a dynamic from the start of them being actively involved with the baby's life. And that's really going to get a whole lot more uh, connection, get that bond established, or looking to sort of pre-establish that bond before the baby arrives. I also think on that point, it's really important to be very honest. before the baby comes, and set realistic expectations of what it's going to be like, you know, ahead of time, so it doesn't feel like such an affront <laughs> when the baby arrives and is demanding all of your time and crying and screaming. You know, there's nothing wrong with saying to our kids that the baby is going to need lots of love and attention from mummy because that's what babies need, and you know, maybe daddy is going to need to be, um, you know, busy with the baby at times too, and not be as available. Play. Of course, we don't want to be setting it up so that, you know, as if the child feels left out or that they're not going to have any attention, but simply saying that, you know, babies need a lot of cuddling and they're going to have to have lots of feeds during the day and there may be times when they cry. um, Setting these expectations up beforehand is really, really valuable. And actually, a lot of the time, a lot of the work I do and, and, you know, times things that I focus on is in supporting highly sensitive children. And so I just wanted to mention that just a food for thought for anyone who is raising a highly sensitive child is that the the depths of their empathy that they possess can often mean that they find a new baby's cries very distressing. It's really upsetting for them to witness the baby being upset, you know, even though we as older people or parents know that that's just part of the experience for babies, there are going to be times when they cry, when we change them, when they're hungry. But for a young child, and particularly a highly sensitive young child, that experience um, of constant crying or regular crying can be very distressing. So I think it's really valuable in in having that conversation with them, talking to them about the fact that it is completely normal and healthy and expected that the baby is going to cry sometimes, but reassuring them that mummy and daddy or whoever it is that's caring for that baby knows what to do, um, that the baby isn't in danger or unwell and, yeah, can be looked after by, by whoever it is that's giving the care. And that's really going to also help set up that transition and make it so that everybody's in the same headspace and and expecting there's going going to be no big surprises. All right, so that's a couple of things just to consider during the pregnancy. Just to recap, uh, involvement is key, making this a family experience and not just sort of like some um, unknown, you know, entity that's growing in mummy's tummy, but actually something that they are actively engaged with and bonding with. And so we covered a few ways, depending on your child's age or stage, um, some ways that you could do that. And then the other key thing just to really focus on or or be conscious of is um, honestly and accurately setting up expectations for what it might be like when the baby arrives. So then, of course, we move to that super exciting time when baby is here or just about to be here. And so you might be giving some thought about that beautiful first meeting between your baby and their older sibling or siblings. You know, it's really common for parents. I think we tend to romanticize this a little bit, this experience, you know, the first connection of lifelong best friends. We want to have that beautiful photo of the older sibling cuddling their little baby, but, you know, Like with so many things, in reality, it doesn't always happen that way. I honestly believe it's a truth that the best relationships take time and a sibling bond is definitely no exception to that. So if there is any advice I could share or if there's just one thing that you take away from listening to this episode today, it would be to allow things to happen at their own pace without forcing or without agenda, but just to let it unfold as it will. You know, there'll be some older siblings who immediately are smitten with the new baby. This is this is definitely not uncommon to see older siblings just fall in love and want to dote on that new baby. But many others are going to have big feelings, you know, of jealousy, of uncertainty, insecurity, possibly even resentment To As they navigate and figure out how this all works. You know, I think I think it's important that we as adults recognize that the birth of a baby sibling, particularly if your child is young themselves, so two or three, or however old they are, this is likely the biggest, if not one of the biggest things that they've dealt with in their young life. So it is going to represent a fairly significant shift for them. And with that, we need to really honour that and give them the space and the time and the support that they need to process it. I've heard it suggested before that a nice way to ease the transition for toddlers is to purchase a gift for them that's supposedly from the new baby. So the new baby is giving their older brother or sister a toy or a gift of some sort and of course the intention behind that is to create warm feelings towards the new baby and have the older child feel special and loved which I think is is definitely valid and you know certainly a really nice idea I'd also like to suggest though a bit of an alternative to that and that is helping your older child to pick out a toy or gift for the new baby Anyone who's parented or ever cared for a toddler will know how deeply they love to feel useful, to feel helpful and independent. So I think allowing them, if they're willing, of course, to step into that role of being the bigger brother or sister is incredibly empowering for them. You know, of course, if you do this, it needs to be followed up with tons of recognition and praise, letting them know how proud you are, what a wonderful big brother or sister they are. Um, and a little caveat, I suppose I should say, I would only be doing this if your older child is on board with the idea. If they're resistant, you know, there is no point enforcing it um, and it could really end up having the opposite to the desired effect, which is fine. The key here is, is just tailoring tailoring, sorry, and catering to our child's individual preferences, you know, and you as the parent of this child already, you are going to be the best ones to gauge that and to know what is going to really, really resonate with them and, and best set them up for success in this Situation, but I just wanted to to raise that as a potential thing to do. It was something we did with my big guy when my middle son arrived. Um, he bought matching toys for him and him his brother. They both had like matching little soft giraffes. But my elder son picked the bigger version, and the baby his baby brother got the baby version of the same like soft jelly cat giraffe. And so I think that was really valuable. They've still got them today. And it was sort of like that acknowledgement. It gave my eldest son the opportunity to be the big brother, to gift his little brother something while still, I suppose, now looking back establishing his place as the bigger brother by getting the bigger toy. So anyway, that's just an option too. And then finally, when we're thinking about this first initial meeting of siblings, um, I think it's worth giving some thought to where and how this might take place. You know, many of us, pre-COVID anyway, we would have had our older child or children come into the hospital to see mum, to see us, and meet their new baby there. Now, that might work for some families. As I mentioned, you know, you're the best ones to gauge that around your child's excitement levels and how open they are and how they're feeling about the whole situation. But an alternative I wanted to throw out there was that we could you could set up that first meeting to take place when you come home you know for many children the experience will be exciting but it will also simultaneously be a bit overwhelming and will likely stir up feelings in them which is understandable if that first meeting happens while you're in hospital and so they come in meet Bob, have the photos all the you know the happy chaos that goes with that but then they need to leave That is likely to trigger some really tricky feelings around separating from you, particularly if they've already been missing you while you're away in hospital. Children won't have that contextual understanding we have or the life experience to know that you'll be home in a few days with the baby. So we have to think about it from from their perception to them. It just looks like they are leaving without you, who's likely one of their, if not their favourite person in the world, and their favourite person is now staying with another child. Well, yes, it's their sibling and, you know, the baby will be there and mum will be home soon, in their level of understanding and their perception, which is very concrete, very egocentric to them, it's just like mum is staying with baby and I am being told I need to leave. So that can be quite uh, upsetting for them or challenging for them. And let me tell you from experience, it's also pretty upsetting when you are the mum, freshly postpartum with all those delicious hormones running around and emotions swirling around inside of you to watch your teary toddler cry and struggle with those feelings but not being able to you know help them when they're leaving because you need to stay with the baby which of course you need to like that's not yeah something that can be sidestepped but it's just something to give thought to in advance, in ahead of time. It can be far nicer if that first initial meeting is when you come home because then you are there to stay. You can sit on the couch with them and have a cuddle. You don't need to be yeah, leaving or having them separate from you straight after that really tender first meeting. Okay, so that's covered off meeting Bub for the first time. Um, again, just to recap There is um, definitely the the focus on allowing things to unfold as they will in their own time without rushing or forcing anything. And then I just suggested a few ways um, or a few things to give thought to, and that is potentially organizing a gift for the toddler or older child or vice versa, having that older child gift the baby and then thinking about where and how and the actual logistics of that first meeting might be uh, so that you can best set your older child up for success and and make it the most happy and joyful experience for the whole family or for everyone involved rather than something that's necessarily going to to raise um, you know a challenging situation that you need to manage. All right. And then finally, we come to talking about, you know, that time when you're back home and settling into life together, into your new normal, we'll call it. Um, And I've got a few things to talk through here. So the first thing is that a transition or a settling in period is completely normal. And that might sound very simple. And yeah, unexceptional, but I need to point that out because it definitely should be expected. I think we really need to normalise this and even anticipate that it's going to be a bit bumpy as everybody adjusts to the new family dynamic and that this is completely normal. And in fact, it's completely normal for this to take a few weeks or even a few months. I would say that still is very, very normal um, because it is a significant transition and a significant change to the dynamic for the whole family. It's also not uncommon to have families experience an older child being really excited and engaged with the new baby for the first few weeks, only to kind of have that excitement or the novelty wear off. You know, you hear funny things about babies saying, older kids saying, you know, when's the baby going to leave? When's it going to go back to its other family? And can it go home now? We're not actually realising that it's here to stay. (laughs) So a few things that pop up really commonly. Are the first is regressions. What I mean by that is that sometimes older children can regress or start doing things to make it appear as if they're regressing or going backwards developmentally. So examples might be they may start asking to wear nappies again, even if they're toilet trained, or requesting a dummy when they've already given that up. It's really common for older kids to want to be picked up and carried like a baby uh, or to seek extra comfort at bedtime after a new baby comes home. And I really think that the best way to manage this, uh, these regressions, is to just let them play out without judgment or angst or getting too whipped up in, you know, what it is that's going on. Because the fact is, it's really normal reaction. And the less uptight or stressed that we as parents get about it, the better. And the more likely our kids will move through the phase quickly. I found it really helpful to be super playful with it. So when my older one, you know, when the middle guy came home, my elder one, all of a sudden, he so he was uh, 20 months and, um, you know, he never had a dummy as a baby. He was just one of those babies that um, wouldn't take one, as much as I tried, because he was reflux. Um, and all of a sudden, he wouldn't go anywhere without a dummy. <laughs> um, so, what can be really valuable is, as I say, rather than resisting it or, you know, saying things like "You're not a baby. You don't need a dummy now," is just to play with it. You know, put words to how they're feeling, because it's likely, even if they appear very adamant. Let's use the dummy example. If they're adamant that they want that dummy, or that they want to wear nappies again. Um, it's likely that underneath that, they're actually feeling quite confused themselves. So it can be really helpful to put words to their feelings and say something like, "Oh, you want you want to feel you want me to snuggle you up like a little baby, so that we can have a big cuddle." You know, maybe you're feeling, are you feeling a bit unsure? Do you need a big cuddle from mum? Come here, come here, let me wrap you up, and I'll give you a big cuddle. And by being casual and playful and, you know, not phased, for want of a better word, um, by this phase, that is the, the most helpful way we can respond to any regressions or perceived regressions in the time because it's highly likely that it's a phase that will pass. That said, of course, if you feel like um, the any regressions are becoming problematic, uh, are causing distress for your child or, yeah, just becoming, you know, impacting on their day-to-day functioning in a big way, that's probably worth having a conversation with your GP about so they can talk about ways that you can help with this adjustment if your older child is really struggling. I will just point that out. Now, the other common experience, perhaps even more common than regressions during this time, is limit testing or pushing boundaries from older children. What you might notice is a big spike in challenging behaviours or emotional outbursts or meltdowns from your older child, which look can absolutely be stressful, especially when you're already sleep deprived and nonstop busy looking after your baby around the clock. Um, I think it's really helpful to, on a you know, really practical level, just to reframe these behaviors and to truly understand them for what they actually are. What they are is simply security seeking or connection seeking. Is probably the best way to look at it. Connection seeking behaviors. So no matter how physical or demanding, you know, all of that behavior on top, whether it looks you know like externalized behaviors, kicking fighting pushing screaming yelling biting all of the all of the big ones or you know whatever it is no matter how intense that appears all of that behavior all of it is communicating what's actually going on underneath for them and that is an activated little nervous system that is feeling threatened so this is subconscious of course your child is not going to say to you I feel really threatened by the arrival of my new sibling. And so I'm going to act out because of that. (laughs) It is subconscious to them, but that is absolutely in a nutshell what's happening. Their nervous system is detecting threat um, in the new sibling, threat for attention, you know, their parents' attention and resources and energy and focus. And so they are trying our our older children through these behaviours are trying to connect as an attempt the behaviours are an attempt to connect with their attachment figures their parents their caregivers and to soothe themselves so the only way we can do that the only way that we can you know ease these behaviours and get to the to the core of what's going on is to offer up those opportunities for connection and for soothing. It's really likely that the arrival of the new baby into your family and all the changes that come along with that, it unsettles your older child and it leads them to feel really insecure and unsure. So with these challenging behaviours, think of them rather than seeing all that aggression and fighting and, you know, pushing boundaries and, and yeah, limit testing. For the, the challenge that it is, instead look at it and see it's your child actually saying to you, have you still got me here? Do I still matter? Am I still the most important thing to you? And I think that's helpful, certainly in a way of understanding what's going on for our child and being able to empathise with them. But also in the moment when you are likely feeling stretched and pulled, and you know possibly at your own limit too, when we understand that this is what's actually going on, and they're not trying to you know break <laughs> the, be the last straw that's going to break you. Um, instead, they're really just seeking connection from you. And of course, the easier way, the easiest way, sorry, most impactful way to rectify this is with plenty of time in. And by that, I mean focused attention, connection opportunities with your older child in a way that's going to fill their cup, you know, reduce their anxiety, reduce their uncertainty and really soothe that nervous system to reassure them that they are safe, they are loved and that you are still there. Now, I can almost hear you on the other side of your headphones or wherever it is you're listening in your car say, well, that's really nice. But on a practical level, how do I do that when I have a newborn glued to me almost 24-7? The good news is um, that these connection opportunities, these play opportunities, they don't need to be elaborate. They certainly don't need to be extensive or, you know, big planned activities with your older child, although if you want to do that, go for it. Uh, The research shows us that as little as 10 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes a day, quality one-on-one time, sitting on the floor, playing with your child uh, is enough. That is definitely enough and has a huge impact, a positive influence on your older child. Really, they are just needing to feel seen, to feel heard and validated and reassured that they haven't been replaced. They need to know that they still matter, uh, that they are still your priority as well. And and that's really what they are seeking through these challenges. And as I said, the easiest way, the best way to address that is through quality time in. So it is the time to call in family members to ask for help, to, you know, prioritise having those opportunities or creating those opportunities with your child too, um, just to to help them in this transition. Now, I say that uh, with complete awareness of how tricky that is. So if there are days when you feel like you haven't had an opportunity to connect, do not go to a place of beating yourself up about that because that is life. You know, I remember once saying I had a beautiful doula who supported me through my third um not the pregnancy but the my postpartum period and I said to her oh I just feel so terrible like you know the 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 baby's taking all my attention and the boys now who I used to have all this opportunity with you know it's really hard and she pointed out something to me she said yeah but what they're lacking in that they make up for in richness of having a, a baby sibling you know and there's so much richness that comes along with that for them while that that may not be very evident right now, you know, it certainly is. So it's it's kind of swings around about. So there's going to be benefits and challenges either way. Okay, so I just wanted to share that too. Um, And actually, that brings me to another really interesting idea I learned from um, a neuroscience educator. His name's Nathan Wallace. Some of you might follow him on Instagram. So Nathan is from New Zealand. Um, Look him up if you're not following him, actually, because he's amazing. Uh, He is a father, uh, a foster parent, and also now a grandparent. And I think he had, I think he was a teacher initially and then moved into neuroscience and education. Anyway, I remember I went to this training course with him and he was talking about the value of uh, quality time together and play time with children as a way to counter challenging behaviours. And I remember, I'll never forget it, somebody, a woman in the crowd raised her hand and she raised this objection and said, I love the sound of all that and I'm 100% on board, but you know, I have a new baby and it's just really hard. It's really hard to, to get those opportunities in the day. And so Nathan asked her, okay, so when are you when are you trying to get the opportunities? How are you making this work? And she said, well, when the baby finally sleeps, I try and sit down and play with my child then, but, you know, I'm, I'm hungry and usually by then I've got to eat or there's other things I need to be doing. I need to take a shower or, you know, whatever it is in her day. And that's when he explained to her that, you know, she was doing it wrong. <laughs> and my ears pricked up because that had been my strategy too, you know, something I tried to do when the baby was sleeping. I'd try to at least somehow spend some dedicated time with the younger ones. Um, and he, his advice was, no, that we should actually structure special time or time in while the baby is awake because his, his, his explanation for it was that we don't want our older child to associate fun time with mum or dad or whoever it is we're talking about here as when the baby's asleep, because then the association forms that the baby is the fun blocker when they're awake. And you know, that sets up potentially sets up that resentment dynamic between the older child and the baby. So like, oh great, now the baby's awake, so I lose I lose attention again. I have to wait for the baby to sleep to have that opportunity. There's also the downside too that for the primary caregiver who usually is the mother still, but, you know, if it's the father in your family or someone else, then definitely apply this to them. If you are the one feeding and caring round the clock for that new baby and then they're asleep, that is your opportunity to take a breath, to make yourself a cup of tea or some food or to shower or just to sit on the couch for a minute and, you know, have a moment too. So there's the there's the risk, sorry, not the opportunity, but the risk that if we try and squeeze in quality playtime as another thing on our to do list in those brief periods where the baby's asleep, we really run the risk of burning ourselves out and putting another expectation on ourselves when perhaps it's not the most valuable. So I actually I actually love this, and it was a real light bulb moment for me as someone who did really burn herself out trying to be fun mum in those very brief nap you know nap times is to set up so that, you know, provided that the baby, it goes without saying, but provided the baby is fed and comfortable and changed, there's nothing wrong with popping them in a carrier or popping them in their bassinet and sitting down to play with your older child while they're awake. That's just, yeah, a little aside that I remembered and wanted to share with you too. Um, Okay, so back to looking at how we can ease this transition of when you're settling in at home. Just one more suggestion I wanted to share with you. And that is it can be really, really helpful to focus on keeping your older child's routine as steady as possible. Again, life, so we're not expecting perfection here, but where possible, keeping to their routine as much as you can and not letting the new baby change that up. So that could just be simple touch points in your day. Bedtime is a big one. Keeping their nap times consistent. Uh, if you have any certain rituals or things that happen around mealtimes keeping them consistent as well and that really really goes a long way to help that older child feel secure and safe um, which ultimately is what is going to help them transition into this new family dynamic as best as possible. Okay, now the final thing that I wanted to share about this time is probably going to sound cliche, and I sort of thought of like, how can I say this so it's not going to be like, yeah, 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 we all we've all known that, we all hear that, Jackie, but I really couldn't record this episode without saying it um, because I really think it is honestly the most important advice, and certainly the the idea that I want to leave you with today, and that is to give yourself and your little one and the whole situation a ton of grace during this time you know there are going to be times when the wheels fall off when all the kids or both kids are crying at once you might be crying too um you know there's going to be times when things don't flow or it feels clunky or you're extremely sleep deprived or you know people are tantruming whoever that is (laughs) and that's okay you know now is really the time to be adjusting expectations to be calling in your village your friends and family and support people because it really is incredibly demanding and intense but it won't always be that way you know there are no medals handed out for getting through and white knuckling and trying to do everything yourself so reach out, you know, ask for the favours, order a meal service, have your best friend pick up your toddler and take them to the park for a couple of hours to play so that you can just have some solo time or some time with the baby, you know, whatever it is that you need to do for you and for your family to make this time as calm and as enjoyable as you can is is valid, you know, because while it is challenging, no doubt, for sure, there are also some really, really golden moments in there too, you know, and you're going to have the best chance of soaking them up and enjoying them if you are feeling supported. So that's really just the thought that I wanted to leave you with today. Um, I hope that through this episode it's given you some things to consider, some things to you know possibly marinate on as you plan for your own transition of welcoming a new baby sibling into the family um, or maybe if you are there right now in the trenches of it it's given some some ideas or yeah some light into what what can be a challenging but also really really special time so thank you so much for joining me for listening into the end of the episode as always Kylie and I love to hear where you are what's resonated um, as you're listening to this podcast so if you'd like to uh, take a screenshot tag us in at the kind parenting company Uh, share it on Instagram so that we can we can do the same all right. Thanks so much. I'll catch you next time. Thanks for joining me in listening to this week's episode of the podcast. If you've enjoyed this content and are looking to dive deeper into the support that the Kind Parenting Company offers parents and caregivers, you will love the range of programs we have available. The range includes online programs for supporting baby and toddler sleep, most suitable for babies aged 0 to 24 months, and also Toddler Life, which is a guide for those raising children aged two to four years. Each program comes with access to video and audio files, as well as the opportunity to join the community forums. Podcast listeners receive 20% off all programs. Simply visit the Kind Parenting Company website and use the code KPCPODCAST20, that's KPCPODCAST20, at checkout.